Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. This is episode 36, and I'm here with Ali Matu. Hello. How's it going? I'm here with H.A. Conrad, and uh, we're talking about the first show of the brand new fall nerdy TV season, Gotham. That would be the pilot episode? Yes, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, so we just watched it. It was uh, I'm I'm kind of psyched to to chat about this with you. But before we get to that, we're going to be talking about two DC epic comic pilots in the crossover today. We're going to be mashing up Gotham versus the first episode of Smallville. Yeah, and which which pilot is the better launch of the series? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, what do we have for a top five today, Conrad? For top five, we have top five Batman villains. Which, given the topic oh, of Gotham in the Rogues Gallery, I think this will be an interesting top five. It's going to be interesting, but boy, is that hard. It's, uh, there's... It is tough, but I, I kind of went with more on the classic side of things. Yeah, so. yeah. Gosh. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, before and We'll give a spoiler alert. We're going to spoil... It's going to get spoilery in here, up in here, up in here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna spoil the pilot of Gotham, but before we get to our, Ter- movie, we're going to spoil it terribly. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. So if yes, you haven't if you haven't watched it and you'd like to watch it before listening to this, hit pause, go watch it, yep. and come back. I think it's safe to say if you're a fan of Batman, um, you should you need to at least see the pilot. Right. Um, if you're not a fan of Batman, then I don't know. You can if you're a fan of nerdy TV. If not. Okay, maybe you don't have to see it. Right. Uh. But this is, I mean, as you said, this is like a pretty nerd-filled season in terms of people, if you like comic books, if you like sort of, you know, these kinds of shows, this is, this this year is incredible. This fall, we have, so Gotham's coming out, we also have Constantine coming out. The Flash. Yep. Um, um, Arrow's returning. Arrow's returning as um, as is the Agents uh, of Shield. Agents of Shield, who actually have a bunch of new cast members that have just yeah. been Lucy signing Wallace. on, which I'm super excited about. I'm pumped about that. We also have a new zombie not, show. Not not Gabrielle though, just Lucy Lawless. Yes. <laughs> we have um, we're gonna have multiple zombie shows on TV now. Right. Walking Dead, as well as the one on Sifi. Oh, Z Nation, <laughs> yes, which I am reviewing on uh, Reanimated. Reanimated. Uh, we're doing. We're going to look at the first couple of episodes and kind of see what we think. But and then we've got um, also on Sci-Fi. We like to call it Sci-Fi, but on Sci-Fi we've got um, that um, Sci-Fi Space Opera Ascension. Is yep. that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of nerdy TV coming on. This is the beginning of all of that. So just to get it started, what were you hoping to see out of this show? Because this is this is like Smallville. It's a prequel. Um, the we have a very young Bruce Wayne. The show really picks off right where uh, Bruce Wayne sees the the death of his uh, of his parents. What are you expecting to see from a show set at this time frame in in this hero's journey? Well, you know, I I saw a little bit about Gotham just in terms of when it was when they were starting to make it and a little bit about what it's what it was about. I, I will admit to you going into it, I didn't quite anticipate them to hit so quick. I, I didn't expect it to be that part of the timeline so quickly. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to do a little bit more lead up um with um I didn't know they were going to basically sort of show show their hand so quickly in terms yeah. of sh- because because basically they immediately show that 
scene with Bruce Wayne and the, his parents. It's, it's in, in the, the first like very it's first five ten minutes um, where yeah. where Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered, um, which as everybody knows sets up Batman. Yep, um, that sets up the story. That's that's canon and. Um, so I didn't, I thought that they were going to start a little bit earlier than that and Mm -hmm. lead into that. I wasn't quite expecting that. And of course they immediately show a character we know very well from the the first shot. So Um, Kyle Catwoman who becomes Catwoman. Right. Um, and so I guess what I was expecting was a little bit more, I don't want to say backstory, but maybe a little bit of backstory. Um, you know, and, and they then immediately launch into Gordon's story. Yeah, this would have been interesting if they had a show where we actually get to see Bruce's relationship with his parents. Right, so that's kind of what I was hoping to see, because we never see that. And maybe no. they're deliberate. We never see that period, No, really. and so I thought maybe that's where they were going, and I was a little bit excited to see that. Yep. Um, I know you were a little bit nervous about, not nervous, but... Not quite looking forward to the show as much as I no, was. No, I wasn't. Um, I mean, we, we had a fall preview episode uh, a few episodes back, and you put Gotham on on your top five shows that well, you're looking forward and to. And part of it was I because I saw I saw a couple of the trailers. It looked excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Donald Logue. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Pertwee's in it, mm-hmm. so we have a doctor's uh, son in this. <laughs> uh, he's John Pertwee's son. The third. Who plays Alfred. Right, right. He plays Alfred uh, Tennyson, uh, or Tennyson, rather. Um, and so, I mean, it has a lot of good people in the cast, so I was really excited to see it and see what they could do with it, and I was hoping that it would be that kind of a story. Um, and it's not, and it's, I mean, it does look pretty good. No, I will, yeah, so it, the the show, um, the... I will it, give it looks it that. like they put a good amount of money into yeah. it. Um, the sets are great. I like all the establishing shots mm-hmm. of Gotham. It's, the lighting looks great. The lighting is great. It feels like Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that's that's great. Uh, my my big question here with this show was: Can you make Gotham interesting without Batman? And um, I, I don't know if that's possible. It's we'll get into Smallville and in, in the crossover, and I think there was a similar dilemma there. I did, however, get excited today, um, and maybe excited is the wrong word to use, because uh, a good friend of the show, Andrea Letamenti, had an article out on Playboy.com, of all places. <laughs> of course she did. Of course she did. Of course did. she did. Um, and she wrote an article about um, uh, this, how this show has a potential to show Bruce Wayne's uh, path to recovery, and she asked an interesting question in this article. If... If Bruce Wayne got some great intervention early on, would he still have gone on to become Batman? And the article is really about um, what sep- people, when they respond to trauma, what separates someone from developing PTSD versus growing from that trauma versus developing resiliency. And I think that idea that she mentions there is an interesting one um, where this show could really show us Bruce Wayne's journey from this initial trauma to where he ends up um, as Batman. If it follows that trajectory, and if it shows how Bruce Wayne becomes the person we know as Batman, how it shows us how these villains go down these different paths, um, that'll be interesting. Well, and then that sounds to me like you're a little bit more excited to, to watch this than you were earlier. Because, I am. I because am. You, I don't think you thought it was going to show as much Bruce Wayne. I thought no. you thought it was going to be much more rogues gallery. Yes, um, just sort of a backstory of all the villains, which, yeah. um, without Batman, you felt was not going to 
I totally didn't even think the kid was really going to be in the show at all. And leave it to Andrea to get me excited about a Batman thing. That's kind of what Andrea (laughs) does. So um, I I am excited about that story. And getting into this episode, um, there wasn't too much Bruce Wayne. We we get the impression that this show is really going to be about Jim, a.k.a. James Gordon, and this new rookie cop and his story. Well, and actually, that's part of what interested me about seeing this show, because you see what Gotham becomes with, you know, you see the Gotham that that Batman inhabits, but you and you know the backstory, you know that it's like a terribly dark place and and all that, but you don't really get to see how Gotham becomes Gotham. And so as a character, Gotham being this character, yeah. I am very interested to see what happens here. Yeah, and they did that character well. And they did, and the, this was a main character within this yeah. particular episode. And, I mean, I, I do think that they're... I think they're trying to draw people in, and they're trying to, to, to draw fans in by throwing these these characters in there to make you be like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens with them. Um, we saw Poison Ivy. We yep. saw... Um, Enigma. The Enigma. We saw the penguin. Yeah. Um, we and I suspect we will probably see a lot more since this. We is might just have seen a, the Joker. Yeah, we might have seen that, the Joker. The scene where uh, the comedian is playing in uh, Fish's place. I'm, yep. I'm guessing you know the person's not named. Yep. Uh, but he's very funny. So yeah. I'm I'm sure maybe, that's a little maybe, cameo. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, but they also have this interesting new character, and it's possible she may be actually somebody else. But for the moment. She is uh, Fish Mooney. So, I, yeah, I want to get into Fish. The one thing I want to mention before is uh, there's a few a few nods I think this this show does visually. Um, the some of those um, some of those shots of the city are very reminiscent of the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh yeah, it's um, definitely pulling. Oh, it's totally pulling from that. from that. I think also visually the Wayne Manor, which we see at the end of the episode, looks very similar to the Wayne Manor from the Dark Knight trilogy. So mm-hmm. there's that a parallel. I think the establishing shot of the death of Wayne's parents, when the camera sort of lifts up a little bit. It almost remind well, it didn't almost remind me. It did remind me, otherwise I wouldn't have written it down here. But it reminded me of that uh, one of the first few pages from Batman Year One, mm-hmm. um, where it's Bruce Wayne down on the ground um, and his uh, two parents on the side, and there's sort of a spotlight on him. It looked similar to that just a little bit. So I think they are doing some nods, trying to pull in people from... Um, other Batman lore and visually they're doing a good job mm-hmm. um, but you're about to t- talk about fish oh well so there's a, another new character and it's um, it's played by by Ms. Uh, Pinkett as you will um, with a terrible wig actually <laughs> um, and she is I had never heard of this character and it, you know we have seen before where characters are introduced as one thing and eventually become something else. So perhaps that's going to happen here, but she was a a fantastic character. She's, um, she's a villain already. She is working in tandem with the police and it's, it's definitely, there's a power struggle in the underworld where she's trying to take over from, um, Mr. Falcone. Yep. Um, and so who has been a very big character in the Batman storyline, um, and also, this is again another good tie-in to people who 
know about Batman through the Dark Knight series because he plays right. a pretty big role in the first. Which is, films. I mean, another reference to the fact that I think they're that's really I think what they're trying to mirror or or take from. Yeah. Like they're referencing it a lot. So, um, and she's she's really kind of hardcore. I really like this character, um, Conrad. And she's really great. Um, so I'm hoping to see a lot more of her. I I like her character. It's 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 great to see. Kind of a now. First off, she's a great actress, mm-hmm. and you can tell there's two people who are very clearly great in their roles. Um, uh, she's excellent, and as you mentioned, our our relative of the Doctor um, playing Alfred Pennyworth, um, they were really just fantastic. Did as I actors. call him Tennyson Pennyworth? Not Tennyson. Tennyson is a poet. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. Um, they were both really great in their roles. Um, no, they were great. Um, it's also great to see a female character ruling this kind of rival co- uh, mob um, gang of mobsters. Right, and people. she doesn't pull. She doesn't pull punches. She's definitely no. in charge. And, I like that. And evil and kind of scary. Yep. Um, and she's. The she's the setup for the penguin, so mm-hmm. she kind in this particular um, show in this story she's creating the penguin um, that we eventually see him become. And we don't know what their relationship. He, he, she says, "I've been like a mother to you," and he's like, "Yes, you have," but we don't really understand what's going on. He sort of gives some information to the cops about how she might have been involved in the murder of the Waynes. We don't understand why he's doing that. We don't know why they are working together, what that relationship's about. But I'm, uh, you, you you don't understand what that relationship's no. about. No, he's an underling in the underworld. She's in the up and coming thing. He's trying to take over. You think it's as simple as that? Yes, absolutely. Could be. Could be. I think there's something more there. I mean, there could be other things in their relationship. That's pretty cut and dry, I would say. Um, I think, I mean, we, we see from the preview for next week that next week is going to be a penguin-heavy episode. So maybe uh, you'll find out more. Maybe we'll but, find out. We'll have to stay tuned. Um, but, but you Fox. know, um, in any case, uh, they, I, I think that they, they set that particular character up well, and she sets up the whole universe pretty well there. Yeah. Um, and the corrupt nature of the police department, um, and basically her character is, is the one, the I think she's the driving force that you're you're basically revealing all the the sort of dark little secrets that um that Gordon is discovering unfortunately. Um I think that it was pretty dark and there isn't a, a ton of um light moments within it. There were very um, few. There are very few and I also thought that the musical sto- score was horrendous, Ugh. horrendous if Conrad, you didn't even call I, it that. Um, I am so we talked about Lost a few weeks ago which has a beautiful original score uh done by Michael Giacchino and I really miss I'm, I'm missing two things. One original scores that are actually composed in actual themes to characters or to moments. That kind of sucks in this episode. The other thing that I really miss are, remember intro credits? Oh, I don't miss that at all. What? Why? They take up too much room. What? You can have a really fast one. I mean, Lost eventually just had the... Lost always had the... The little Lost words, but... But 
I mean, they're just replacing intro credits with more commercials now. and I, I guess, but, I, you know, because we're lucky enough to, to TiVo it or whatever, you don't really get stuck with that. So you're okay. No, but... DVR it. I just... I, I appreciate them. Like, uh, most uh, most of the great sci-fi shows still have them, and it's awesome, and I love that. Maybe I'm just, like, a diehard Trekkie, and I, I want to see my starships flying through space. Um, but I, I think it would have been cool to have some kind of intro sequence here and some kind of theme. But one of the things that you lose by not having intro credits are any type of theme to the show. I guess so. You know, um, and I, and I miss that. But Lost still had a score, even though, I mean, they really didn't have much of an intro. They had no intro. So, no. so you know, they didn't but suffer, but they did have a score. Rest assured, we both agree, the music in this episode is bad. pretty bad. It's like they're trying a little too hard with it. It's a little too heavy-handed, and, you, you know, it's like, let's show how dark and angry these policemen are. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of bass. Yeah, yeah. And bass is pumping throughout Gotham. Yeah, so that wasn't that wasn't great. Uh, some of the camera work was very, very fast moving and moved along. Tried to move along the plot a little bit. Lots of GoPro usage. What was here. up with the ga- go- GoPro? It, it was not. It was a little overdone, and it just the didn't scene make where any Jim sense. Gordon is chasing the uh, would be murderer, um, and there are those GoPro type cuts, and we both kind of turned to each other. We're like, "What is that? Yeah, Why are we doing that? <laughs> it looks so. It, it, lo- it looked like a fan film kind of silly. direction right there. Um, it looked very silly. Um, and, I've, you know, I've seen GoPro used in a good way, and this was not it. Um, but, I mean, overall, given that what they were trying to do within this episode, I guess, I mean, I'm probably going to watch it a little bit to see what unfolds. Um, but I didn't... I didn't leave it with some of the same excitement that I did having watched other pilots. I got to agree with you here. Um, so first off, a lot of characters revealed really quickly. I also think the way that they were revealed was kind of... Um, it, was, it was heavy-handed. It was, it was heavy-handed. very I, like, okay, I, I'm going to hit you with this. Hey, look, there's poison ivy. There's poison and, ivy you know, with some type of vegetation. Yeah. And here's <laughs> Enigma like, asking questions, questions and using the Socratic method, because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And here's here's uh, here's Oswald, and oh, everyone already calls him Penguin. Yeah, like, and, did they really have to throw that in? Oh, no, we get the, it, you know, we get it. it's a little too much, so. So it's not, I, I really hate this word. Um, I hate the word fan service um, in the context of people writing things to appeal to fans. I don't really think we can have a good operational definition of what that means. Um, but I don't think you could classify this as that because... No, I think this was more being... I, I think they're more trying to draw in people who are not fans, and that's why they're It's kind of so dumbing happy. it down. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really simplifying it and going, here's a character... Thank you for tuning in to this show on Fox. Here's what the, Here's this character... And um, just as a reminder, this is what they're villain. This is who they're going to become. Right. You don't have to do that. No, you don't. And I mean, I feel like maybe I'm I'm a little bit naive here, but I feel like they Batman is so much a part of people. People, if they haven't read the comics, they've they've watched the movies, they've watched the the cartoon. I, I feel like that they know enough of these things that it doesn't need to be dumbed down. Do you feel that way as well? Well, I got to ask you about that. I, I agree with you, and I'm wondering: Do you think we needed to see the Wayne murder again? 
No, I don't, which is why I was really hoping that they were going to do something a little different with this. I mean, how many maybe, times have we seen that, And Conrad? maybe that was going to be part of the background. Do we really need to have that as a main uh, showpiece? No, yeah. I don't think you do need to have that as the setup. We no. know what the story is supposed to be about. I was actually hoping that it would be... We would see a little bit more of Bruce Wayne, as you said, with his parents and some of that relationship. And actually, maybe some of his relationship with Alfred. Yeah. Um, since he actually trusts Alfred... Um, clearly he trusts Alfred, Alfred even before this happened. So that well, might have been a nice thing to see. And I see. think that's a little bit mistaken opportunity here. Um, we The first scene we see Alfred is right after Bruce is talking to Jim Gordon about mm-hmm. uh, the murder. And we see uh, Bruce Wayne just kind of running towards Alfred as if he is a father-type figure right. for him. And I think the, the lost opportunity here is... Um, we could have seen Bruce's relationship with his parents develop. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we see Bruce with Alfred at a point in his life where he isn't seeing him as a parental figure. And we see that journey mm-hmm. of how Alfred becomes a parent to Bruce, how their relationship develops, and how Bruce changes over time. So that's that's one criticism here is I think we're we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. We're seeing many of the villains, many of the members of the rogue gal- rogues gallery, um, already kind of with their uh, with their cliche mm-hmm. and we're seeing Bruce already at a point where he has this relationship with Alfred um, so I think a little bit of that potential of a prequel to explain how these things develop a little bit of that is lost here right um, and I, I do think that that's um, you know I was I was thinking back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and as you know I wasn't a huge fan of it when I first started watching it. It mm-hmm. only was probably middle to to late part of the first season where I was actually enjoying it and getting into it. And I was kind of, I think I was just kind of watching it because I was like, oh, you know, so many people keep telling me I need to, to watch this. And they were people who I respected their opinion. So I, I continued to watch it and it did get better and the writing got better and the, the cast definitely was a lot more cohesive as the season progressed and the storylines were more interesting um but one of the things that they do well i think with agents of shield is that they they wait to reveal certain things Mm. they don't they're not hitting you over the head with all these i mean they do a little bit of that in the beginning because obviously you want to know oh that you know who who agent colson is and Mm -hmm. you know the mystery surrounding it and they make reference to things to tie it into the the films and did he die how did they bring him back right so there's definitely a little bit of that going on to i think to pique the audience's interest Mm -hmm. but nothing like what i saw here which was just sort of like we're going to show you everything that we're about to do and (laughs) maybe that's maybe maybe they are like kind of maybe it's a little bit of slight a sleight of hand maybe maybe it's going to actually show you think us different we're gonna things. see bane in next week with like an <laughs> asthma inhaler it or something honestly could happen <laughs> um but you know i that's that's the thing and you know maybe they just want to hit hard with this episode and and they will let up a little bit hopefully that's the case um if it continues to be this heavy-handed though i don't think i'll be watching much I, mean, I think i'll give it five ep- five episodes or so and you know, I, I think listeners, you'll be able to tell if we don't do a season recap i guess we were giving up on the show yeah um but It'll be interesting to see where they take things. I love these characters so much that I am invested, right. um, and I want to see where they where they take this. Um, if the show continues, it'll be interesting to see how it connects to past and future Batman canon. Right? You know, is this tied into the Dark Knight trilogy? 
is, or, or will it be tied into some of these future Batman films? Batman versus Superman. Is this going to be considered the backstory to that version of Batman that we're going to see played by Ben Affleck? I don't know. I think that'll be interesting to see. I'll give it five episodes. You know, in terms of as one of my you know f- uh, friends of the uh, of the show, um, uh, Mission Log, uh, what they do with their podcast is they review every episode of Star Trek and they talk about the morals, meanings, and messages. And I was thinking about this episode um, maybe because I was just listening to Mission Log on, on my way here earlier. But I was thinking about, are there any morals, meanings, or messages here? And the one thing that kind of stuck out to me is gets at that main character of Gotham that you were talking about, mm-hmm. Conrad, which is um, a line that was spoken by um, Harry or Harvey... Uh, Harvey Bullock? Harvey Bullock, um, who is that, you know... Donald Logue. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that character. But he says, um, sometimes you got to do bad to do good. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about cognitive dissonance and how we rationalize the things we do. It got me thinking about the influence of the context and how important it is what's going around us. And a lot of times we look at characters and we look at their behavior and we're like, how could they have ever done something like this? But we ignore the influence of the environment and all the factors at play. And I thought that was interesting here. And what he was saying with, um, look, this guy is a bad guy. We're going to have to take this guy out. If you don't, we're, our lives are in danger. So well, not just our to... lives, but people that w- yeah, our loved ones are Yeah, not just you, Jim, in... but Barbara, right. who has this crazy, amazing penthouse and how she affords that. Yeah, and, also, um... she looks a little bit like a Bratz doll. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Barbara Gordon I'm used to. No, I don't know about that. And, you know, apparently she's got some some interesting past romantic ties yeah that's that's kind of subtly nodded to with uh the the woman from the special uh, investigations unit um, right. so uh, but i think that moment was really interesting sometimes you got to do bad to do good i think there could be some interesting meat that develops out of that um in terms of the story of the the gcpd mm-hmm. the story of gotham and how we move from this city to a city that takes ownership and responsibility for what's happening inside, or gets even worse, so that or, bat, gets worse. or that Batman, so that Batman needs to intervene. So if, uh. if things go down that course, man, that's going to be kind of a depressing show. They're going to have to things are going to have to liven maybe, up a little maybe bit. Maybe it's going to be a little roller coaster. So we'll see peaks and valleys. Yeah, know? we'll see. I mean, the other thing I thought that was interesting too, which is a huge nod to the direction of Bruce Wayne's character, is uh, his conversation with Jim Gordon at the end. Um, I'm trying to learn to conquer fear. When you see him standing on the ledge of the building, which is super weird, yeah. I was like, is, is, the, is the poor kid suicidal? Is he about to... Ch-? Like, what is going on there? I thought that was really strange. And then uh, Jim Gordon says, fear doesn't need to be conquered. I love that line. Yeah. It reminds me of... I know we're not supposed to cross the streams here, but it reminds me of uh, the Doctor, Doctor Who, Who. I knew I know you were going to go into that. Right? Um, but, yeah, and then there's a few moments between... It looks like, you know, you see the moments between Bruce and uh, Gordon in a, a couple of places. Right in the beginning, he's talking to him about there's going that he went through something similar and there's going to be light, and it's like immediate intervention there when he's clearly traumatized by his Absolutely. parents' murder. Absolutely. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of these these lessons and these morals spoke, <laughs> spoken through this relationship. I hope we do. I hope we do, because that is a great lesson for, for, um, uh, 
for Batman. Um, and, and that's what what Batman does well is it gives us hope. It gives us hope that we can experience horrible things in life and grow from them and recover. And that and, line and, right there. And become a vigilante. Well, yes. And well, uh, I will say you, you and I have and a fight for justice. You and I have a big disagreement <laughs> about Batman's level of health, of mental health and well, recovery. So it's, anyway. a, it's a fruitful area for debate. Um, but what I <laughs> what I do love about that scene is um, it, it speaks to this idea of resiliency. We we know that not everyone who experiences traumatic things um, goes on to develop PTSD. In fact, a small majority of people do. And the people who are able to experience things that lead to resiliency, that's what helps them to uh, prevent the development of PTSD. One of the big things with that for kids who experience trauma is having a positive relationship with an adult figure and being able to have hope. And I think that's what Jim Gordon was starting right there. Well, Jim Gordon and Alfred. And Alfred, absolutely. Absolutely. Alfred Pennyworth, for those (laughs) who are counting. So Um, if we have... If that relationship continues to flesh out, if Fish continues to remain an interesting, interesting villain, yeah. um, if we see more of Gotham, and if we aren't really dealt with a lot of heavy-handed introduction of villains, um, this show has a promise to be really interesting. And be very it could compelling. be. I, I we caught a couple of seconds of the trailer, and I was uh, for the next uh, the preview for the next episode, and. I I am not, you know, I think you're correct. We have to wait for a few episodes in to make some of these judgments because I think that they're still busy kind of trying to get people to to be hooked. Um, And so they're going to be, I think, a little bit more dramatic in their storytelling um, for the the initial bit. And it seems like (laughs) next episode is going to be a lot of the penguin being psycho. Dramatic as if, uh, as in uh, shiny shoes, mother of God. Yes, as in those (laughs) moments of wonderful writing that we saw there. Um, But in any case, um, I, you know, I'm going to give it a go. I, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't, I was hoping for a little bit more. I was hoping for more too. I, uh, comparing it to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I saw last, last it year. It was better. It was, it was better. better. It was better. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I gave up after the pilot. I'm like, this right. is, no, I'm done. <laughs> I felt the same way, but somehow I just kept slogging through. Um, but in any case, um, but speaking of pilot episodes, are you yeah. ready to jump into our crossover chamber? Let's do it. Let's venture into the infinite crossover chamber. Somebody say. Nice. Uh, so, as you may have guessed from that wonderful, that wonder- was horrible, wonderful theme music that, that was, Ollie loves I, so much. Um, I do we, like that song. We I are, played it a lot in the 2000s. We are uh, crossing over Gotham with Smallville, and we are comparing the two pilot episodes. And the question is, which pilot uh, provided a, a better launch for? The series. So uh, this is a natural comparison for us to make. Uh, so not only do both shows have the n- names of the origins of which these people grew up, Smallville for Clark Kent and Gotham for Bruce Wayne, but they, these are also two flagship characters from the DC Universe, Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. And bo- these are both prequels. Um, and they're, they're well. They're also reimaginings to some extent. To some extent, you, you have yeah. to you know to to sort of put these characters where they are. You're going to have to create some things, something different. Yep. And it's so they're also separated by a lot of time. 
Um, Smallville premiered uh, October 2011. That was a very... Oh, 2001. 2001. Oh, shoot, what did I say? 2011. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is when it ended, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whoopsies. Um, but... so, so clearly, clearly, Smallville had some legs. My gosh. <laughs> Ten years. Which, you Ten know... Ten years, Conrad. I, I admit, I... Probably around season five, I stopped watching. Um, and, That's when I stopped watching. And I just was like, I don't know that this needs to keep going. I stopped watching right when Brainiac appeared. Yeah, me too. So and maybe, is that season five or season six? I'm not I, sure. I wouldn't know. In, in any case, um, it kept going, and I couldn't believe that. But I was, it was a huge fan. I was too. I liked it. So anyway. I was a huge fan. And we got to remember the context here. So it premiered October 2001. So just a month after the September 11th attacks. Mm-hmm. It was a, a very difficult time, I think, for a lot of people, um, and a lot a lot of the television shows were delayed. Uh, mm-hmm. The launch of Star Trek Enterprise, which was just called Enterprise at that point, that was also delayed. Uh, that whole fall season was delayed. Um, but it was on WB. This mm-hmm. is on Fox. There's a little bit of difference in that. Um, WB was skewing more to their, towards a teen audience. Fox is skewing more towards I don't know what. Um, I, I don't know, know what they're skewing like grim and violent. I don't know audience. So, um, did you see the pilot when it aired? I did. Me too. I did. What and did you think? I was really excited. Um, yeah. and you know they had they had a really great ad campaign yeah, leading up to this, and you know I think you're correct. Like I I think people were looking to to grab onto something, a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of, you know it's a some hero. escapism. Yeah, some escapism, and, you know, they had some really good-looking people on this show. Yeah, they did. So it was really pretty good to, to watch this. <laughs> um, also, if you're a fan, oh, you're you're so young, Ali. But, but I used to really love Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, I remember and Dukes of so, I watched the reruns. So, you know, it was pretty awesome that, you know, there was, there was a Duke... As as Clark uh, the, Kent's uh, dad, the on actor here. who played uh, Jonathan Kent, yes, um, yes, was the Dukes of Hazard. Well, also, uh, wait, the, what was his name, Ollie? That's a good question, Conrad. I do not remember his name. What I do know, what I do know, Conrad, is the actress who played Martha Kent also played Lana Lang in the Superman movies. And now she was in a crappy Superman movie. I think it was she Superman was pretty 3? bad. Uh, her name would be Annette O'Toole. Annette O'Toole, absolutely. Um, Peter O'Toole? No, it's not Peter O'Toole. <laughs> no, 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 they're not there. Uh, and John Snyder would John be the Snyder. name. Snyder, yes, 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 yes. Oh, Ollie, um, you're so young. Uh, Annette O'Toole, incidentally, is married to Michael McKean. What? Yes. Conrad, uh, anyway, you're like a portable IMDb. This is so cool. This is this is what I get for being around Bill Wadman. Um <laughs> or Wadapedia as some people Wadapedia. call him. Um, that but, needs to be a website. But in any case, um so, You know who else is an IMDb? Nuan is an IMDb as well. She is. Oh she my is. gosh. And um, she gets very frustrated when I don't remember these names. Um but this is why I love her. <laughs> But what I was going to say is that, you know, I saw some of the initial cast and admittedly, I was I was excited to see who they got to play his parents. Oh, my um, gosh. But yeah. I was also really excited to see a lot more about Lex Luthor. Um, yes. So there was a lot of cool stuff. Also, um, John Glover was on this as Lex Luthor's uh, played Lex Luthor's father. Um, There's a lot of really cool people. Um, so He's a fantastic. He was. Actor. He was fantastic. They, they, um, when it comes to casting, they really. They did a great job. So leading into this, I had like I was super excited to to see this. So I had a lot of like, 
you know, um, happy thoughts already about Smallville. Tom Welling. Not only did he look like a young Christopher Reeve, um, but he just, um, he seemed like, uh, well, I guess we're talking about the lead-in. So lead-in, I will say, I was very excited about this as well. Um, Once I saw the pilot, I think what really hit the nail on the head for me was the cast. Right. I thought Tom Welling played this played the loneliness part of Clark Kent really well. And I never really thought and you know, about that. Also loneliness. also the model part. Of yeah, him he looked pretty, pretty well. good. Now, <laughs> but in any case, I think that if you're talking about weighing these casts against each other, I feel like Smallville may have a slight advantage. He totally has advantage. Totally has advantage cuz I need to mention my girl Kirsten Crook as well. Well, I was going to get there and that was actually going she's to be very my linchpin. Conrad. She's more than pretty. She looks like she's an alien. Pretty. She's so pretty. And she, she's she, I've heard she's very nice too in Van, she lives in Vancouver and I have friends who've gone to restaurants there and ran into her and apparently she's very nice to fans. Have you also been hanging out outside these restaurants? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I do have no more information. I will not reveal at this time. Uh-huh. Um, but the cast, the cast looked good. They, um, so a few things I remember from that pilot, the loneliness that Clark experiences, his relationship with his parents, Mm -hmm. that was key. And that's a huge core part of this character. As much as Bruce Wayne, um, losing his parents is existential to that character, uh, for Clark Kent, his positive relationship with with his parents, existential to this character. There's also a lot of, um... In in terms of the Clark Kent character, he feels very guilty for Lana's the death of Lana's parents um, yeah. in the you know that's in the pilot episode. Yep. Um, there's a lot of stuff going around there. I mean there there were some there were definitely in in terms of the writing and things like that there there was definitely some very WB. There, it was very WB. They did do some of the same thing. Like they hit you over the head a little bit because um, you have the Lex Luthor. Thing happened very quickly. The balding um, thing. The balding thing yeah, happens that was like so weird. immediately. Um, also, there's <laughs> a, there's a really interesting thing that happens, which made which actually made me laugh out loud. And I I don't remember how I felt about this when I actually watched it. You totally LOL'd. I did LOL. What what was it? Um, well, it's you know, so the Clark Kent character, his parents don't want him to go out for football, and they kept they keep hinting like, you know why, you know why, yeah. and when they finally when his father finally reveals to him. That he might be for, like an alien, and like, yeah, no kidding. The guy can run, like, you know, <laughs> like, like he can really, he can outrun a bus. Yeah. So you don't think that, like, how were they explaining this to him? Was this part of a normal, like, what, what did they say to him to explain these different aspects of him? Well, what I like about that is, I think, I think Clark Kent is an interesting character for anyone who's grown up and felt different, whether it's because. Um, you're the descendant of immigrants and there's not many people like you around you, whether you're adopted. Um, I think there's a lot of stand-ins for what this metaphor can be. And that adoption metaphor, I think, is one that definitely plays a role here. There is, but what I'm saying is that the holes in this plot are that... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that... that, but, (laughs) But one of the fun things that they did with this episode, and they did have a bit of fun with it, 
Lana's wearing a necklace of kryptonite, which is yeah. why he's such like a, like a klutz and loses yeah. his like he like kind of loses all coordination around her. It isn't because like and we it's kind of playing with that character because we see the Clark Kent character later on in the films and all that do that. Yeah, but this gives like this funny little explanation for it, I which like was kind of cool. I so like there that. were a lot of things that they did really well. Um, you're right though, the WB a bit cheesy and all that, but I think overall. They they had a little bit more fun with the story, even though yes. there was a lot of heaviness and there's a lot of serious issues that they address. I gotta say too that it looked good. Yeah, in it, terms of the sets, the barn. And I just rewatched this because we were having this crossover, yeah. and it's dated, but it's still enjoyable to watch. What what is it that makes it dated? It is just it the feels, pace. Is it's it, you know what honestly, it's a little bit of the soundtrack, the music. It's a little bit you know, it's, totally. It's that um, it feels a little Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Meets Veronica Mars. Um, yeah. Which wasn't made yet. Yeah, yeah. Which wasn't made, but no. that's a little bit of what it feels like. Allison Mack's character, and right? A little bit, the... And a little bit of Buffy going on in there, too. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so it's got that stuff going on, but it's still, it still holds up a bit. And then, and I do remember after I saw the pilot episode how excited I was to see the series, because mm-hmm. I was excited. Um and much more excited than I am to see the rest of Gotham, although I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I, I, I agree with you. Um, it sounds like we both stuck with uh, Smallville for a long time. And we stuck with it even though the show ended up becoming pretty bad. It became very <laughs> became... much a villain of the week. Yeah, was... Oh, look, more kryptonite. This turns this guy into like a swamp monster thing that Clark has to defeat. And and Allison Mack's character, Chloe, sort of discovers his secret but doesn't. And Lana's now swept into a tornado and Clark has to save her. Um, but not pretend like he hasn't saved her so that she doesn't find out. Yeah. That's like every episode. Every episode is like that. Oh it it becomes tiring and tedious. And However, Lex almost puts it all together but doesn't. And he has right. to look at it on a big computer screen to try to figure it out and fade out on the episode. But one of the things they buy do... Buy the CD on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. But one of the one of the things I did like, um, they they played with these characters a bit. They tweaked them a little bit to make certain things make sense. They definitely had fun with it. Maybe they're going to do that in Gotham. Hopefully. But I also think that people's attention spans are a little shorter now, and maybe that's why they're hitting us so hard with some of this stuff. We also there's a lot more competition now. Right. I mean, Gotham is under huge competition from all the other geeky shows that are coming out, and there's a lot. Oh, there's also TV's better now in 2014 than it was in 2001. There's a lot of great dramas out there, a lot of stuff that we could be watching. There's competition from Netflix. There's competition from... Well, from, from HBO from and HBO, Showtime and Showtime, all that. from Internet-produced independent stuff. Right. So I think Gotham has a lot going against it um, compared to Smallville. And I'm going to give it to Smallville for this reason. I stuck with Smallville for such a long time because the premise was so cool, because the characters were great, the cast was was fantastic. I always had fun with well, the show, yeah, and even I think, as bad as it got. And that's honestly the biggest thing that I'm missing from this Gotham episode. It's fun. It's fun. And, and, and yes, let's, let's address that, though. Batman is a much darker comic yes. than, than Superman is. So, so what, I do what think, was it, Conrad? What do we... Now, you're right. And so I also think you have to give them some... You have to, you, you, we have to like, is Batman ever going to be really be fun? <laughs> well, I, the Adam little, West Batman was. Yes, it was, but, but. That wouldn't work now. No, but especially if you're, if, if they are referencing the Dark Knight universe and that's kind of where they're going. 
but I do think that you even when a show is darker, you can still have moments of levity. There wasn't a ton here. Otherwise, it becomes... There was one moment. Uh, there was a couple Alfred. Moments. Yeah, uh, and he, Alfred was He had was a good. comment at the very end. Right. Well, and he had a comment, you know, he's the, the comic relief, I think, a little bit. But so maybe it'll be there. They need to maybe do a little bit more of that. So if we're missing... If we're missing the levity, and you're right, Batman is not a very funny character. <laughs> he quite often doesn't laugh around at Joker's jokes, which are quite funny, especially if you watch Batman the Animated Series. Um, but maybe the villains will provide some of that. Well, this is exactly the thing, and gosh, you set up that top five really nicely, Conrad. Um, but the, I think that the very compelling thing about Batman is his origin story... And the the villains he, he comes up against. The villains are complicated characters. They're not simple villains as they are in other comic book genres uh, or other comic book canon. Um, I think that was what was missing a little bit here is instead of giving us five different introductions to villains, how about one? How right. about let's not make the mistake of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 3 and have a ton of villains in there? How about let's focus on one Make it interesting. Maybe just introduce us to fish and just penguin underneath, you know? And then have that revealed at the very end of the episode, tie that into this next episode and have that more as a, as a penguin backstory. So um, clear winner, Smallville. Yep, and I think we're both in agreement on that. So oh, Absolutely are. Listeners, let us know who, uh, which pilot episode you thought was a better launch, Gotham or Smallville. With that, let's close up the doors on this infinite crossover chamber. You weren't going to do the closing credits to Smallville? Wait, what are the closing I credits? Don't I don't know. I was giving you a hard time. I don't know. I remember the second episode opened up with a Weezer song. I don't know why I remember that, but it was like the do, 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 islands and something. Yeah, I think yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. Weird. Okay, anyways, so on to our top five. Conrad, what are we talking about this week? Uh, we are talking about top five Batman villains. Hmm. So um, I think this is going to be an interesting list, um, but it's fitting given the, the choice of our, our show today. So Gosh, the he's got such a good rogues gallery. He Conrad. does. He it's does. the best. And, it's and the best. You know what? Honestly, in thinking about these villains, I fully understand why they wanted to do this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? One thing I was going to mention is that, okay, the reason Smallville ended up being made was that somebody had actually tried to float um, a storyline, like a show based on Bruce Wayne's upbringing. Really? Yes, and it wasn't successful, and they were like, well, maybe if it was Superman's like backstory, maybe we would do that. So it's funny that... Here we are. Here we are, because later. this is what it's going to be. Anyway. Um, Interesting. I mean, doing a prequel and the backstory to villains for Batman is such a better idea than for Superman. And I, one of the problems that we saw in Smallville... There weren't really many interesting villains. There was a lot of Monster right. of the Week episodes, and that's only interesting for so long. Um, I had a very hard time with this list just because you could pick any Batman villain. Yeah, they're all Put them on this cool. list. They are all good. There's very few Batman villains that are stupid, except for maybe Clayface. Clayface. I don't really like Clayface. Yeah, Clayface. I didn't like Clayface either. <laughs> but, um, or Man-Bat. Do you remember Man-Bat? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Man Bat's stupid. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I so, forgot about Man Bat. It's one of the first uh, Batman animated series episodes. And here I also, um, well, no, I'll wait for that for later. But my criteria here was basically just a villain I love to see. Um, what about you, Conrad? How'd you make up your list? Um, it's villains I would like to see. It's also villains I felt were provided really interesting storylines in terms of, uh, you know, interacting with Batman's character and sort of what they represented. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we will, we will see if the show will show all of them. All right. Who's your number five? Um, my number five was actually Penguin, the Penguin. Oh, interesting. Why'd you pick Penguin? Um, I think that he is a very interesting character in that he, um, and he, and he's had like a lot of interesting sort of iterations, so to speak. Um, and it's Batman Returns. Yeah. Like he's, and he was there from the beginning. He, and he, like he has taken interesting like weird roles and they've made him a little they made him a lot more creepy mm-hmm. um in terms and broken in in terms of like what we're seeing and that's looks like what what's happening in Gotham as well um and in sometimes they make him into more sympathetic character than you've seen um in the past so um you know I think that he is sort of this he varies from this um Sort of this fo- like foppy, like weird, strange character, and I think because he has different faces and people can kind of make them what he they want. I mean, he he does become more of a supporting villain later on, but when you say Batman, a lot of kids say Penguin. Yeah. So that's why I put him as number five. Yeah, um, I really like his. I like Batman Returns a lot, and I think one of the reasons why that film works is the character of Penguin, played by Danny DeVito. I also really like the depiction of um, of Penguin in uh, Batman the Animated Series. Actually, I could probably say that about any villain that we pick. Right. Also, um, Bat- uh, Penguin was really interesting in the Batman Arkham's, um, Arkham Asylum series of video games that really deserve mention here, too. The, um, those video games, uh, the trilogy of them, the last games coming out next year, um, are all about the villains and really highlight just how interesting they are. Um, Penguin's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What was yours? My number five is Catwoman. Yeah, um, nice. And that is that is my number four. Uh well, there we go. I knew we were gonna have some. We're gonna have yeah, a lot of overlapping lot. things. Um the reason I made her a number five is because I'm not sure she's a villain. Um she is a complicated character, Selena Kyle, mm-hmm. where she does have this uh there's clearly there are clearly feelings between Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne, uh, Batman. And right. Catwoman. I also really... So that's interesting. It's interesting that um, Batman sort of has some type of understanding with her and some type of... Resp- I don't know if it's respect or w- what it is, but it's it, he. they clearly are two characters that are romantically interested with each other. What I also like about Catwoman is we... we have an understanding of why she does what she does. Why is she involved in burglary... There are different iterations of her, and there's different iterations and origin stories to all these characters. But what I love about her and all the Batman villains is we get the motivation. We get why she does these things. And um, she's a she's a great character. And obviously, they the producers of this show think the same thing because 
that's the first character we see. Right. Yep. Uh, well, and you see, you see a lot about Bruce Wayne and a lot about Batman in his interactions with this character. And part of why I picked her as number four is because the thing about sometimes what makes a good villain is seeing how they could also become a good guy at some point. Mm -hmm. That there's sometimes a very fine line. Sometimes she does things that are a lot in terms of like good and evil are sometimes better than the thing the choices Batman makes. Um, So I think that she's a complicated character. I do think she's a villain, but I, I think that... She, she kind of walks the line. She walks the line. And that makes me think of um, the comic series Incorruptible and Irredeemable and how those are about heroes becoming villains and villains becoming heroes. And Catwoman does speak to some of that story. Well, and you know, isn't it kind of like sexy to some sometimes go to the dark side? I mean, that's the thing. Like, who do, who do you want to... Uh, appealing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that was my number four. So what was your... Oh, number... my number four is a Riddler. Oh, um, okay. Edward, uh, in, Edward Nigma. Uh, is he on your list at all? Um, he was on my honorable mention. Yeah. And so... it was cool to see him in this, although I didn't think they were going to bust him out so early and basically just play the hand so quickly. No, but still... he's like, stop asking questions, yeah. Edward. You're asking so many questions. Why do you ask so many... Riddles. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> anyway. So he's a character who, unfortunately... Well, I mean, it, it worked in the Joel Schumacher universe of films. He's played in a very over-the-top way by Jim Carrey. Um, but he's he's a character that's varied from, uh, from comic relief to more of a, I want to say, sadistic type of character. Um, but So we've seen a lot of variations in him. But I just love how he is Batman's... He likes to think of himself as Batman's intellectual equal. And Batman is the world's greatest detective. I mean, this is a man who... uh, The vast majority of the way he solves his crimes are by deductive reasoning. Um, He could go hand-to-hand with Sherlock, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, with the good doctor... um, What's his name? I'm blanking on his name, Conrad. Uh, From our crossover on the Sherlock episode... Um, House, Doctor House, exactly. I think those these characters are all really great at deductive reasoning, and um, Edward uh, Edward Nigma, the Riddler, really loves that, and he likes to use that for his own pleasure in seeing Batman go through these mazes that he creates, and I think that's interesting. Um, it's interesting to see a character who is um, who so loves the thrill of intellectual play uh that is that's a cool character yeah that's totally a cool character so you got a number three for me um my number three is um is two-face harvey dent harvey dent the white Um, knight the white knight um and the interesting thing about harvey dent is that he was very very much a good character for a while and the build-up to watch him fall and take that fall is a bit heartbreaking, and it's a little bit, um, and it's very hard to watch um, the characters in the Batman series deal with this fall from grace, so to speak. Um, I think he provides some of that um, that um, intrigue, and I think that it's it's painful to watch it. But I think that he provides a very interesting um, 
be- because the other characters have known him as being so good, watching their interactions with him when he becomes so crazy and evil is is a struggle. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to like watch it, but that's why he's on my list. You know, I really wish we got to see uh, Billy D. Williams become Harvey Dent. He was yeah. set up in the original Tim Burton I know, Batman film. And it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. That would have been so cool to see that if Tim Burton got to do a third Batman or however, whatever would have caused us to see that character. Harvey Dent is a really tragic character. And he's tragic. I mean, he's tragic, but he's definitely a villain. Yeah. And he's a villain in the the sense where you you watch that downfall and you know where it's going, but it just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and it's, you know, so it's, it also speaks to the idea of how psychologically complex these villains are. Right. Um, And this is a character whose personality does become fractured after the traumatic event that happens to him. And... Um, it, I, I guess most of my villain choices are a bit tragic, aren't they? I think all the Batman villains are <laughs> Yeah, tragic. they are, but mine are, mine are a little bit more. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, you know, there's controversy now about um, what used to be called multiple personality disorder. We now call disassociative identity disorder. There's some controversy about um, the media depictions and how realistic they are. However, um, you know, most people who do go through a severe traumatic episode or a complex type of trauma are changed in some way as a result from it. And we do get to see that with Harvey Dent and Two-Face. Um, and I, I would have loved to see Billy D. Williams and how this was done, but I also think the Dark Knight film does a really nice job of... Uh, of showing us right. what what Two Face is capable. Well, of. and also Batman has incredible guilt about the fact that yeah. that this character is there, and that plays into that relationship and that dynamic. So I also think that that makes it part. Absolutely, as well. absolutely. Um, good pick. Yeah. So what is yours? Uh, my number three is Harley Quinn. Oh, good. She's on my honorable mentions. I love this character. Um, so she. Well, there's a few reasons why I love her. Number one, um, and Fans love her. She's one of the most cosplayed yeah, characters. Yeah. We're going to see a ton of Harley Quinns yeah. in a couple of weeks at New York Comic Con. Um, one of the things I like about her is she was a character that was introduced in Batman the Animated Series and was supposed to be just kind of like a guest starring role. And then she was so popular that people, yeah. They yeah, they wrote her that. into the comics. And now she is just such a staple of uh, the Batman canon. Um, I, I also love that she was a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum, and she was working with the Joker and um, just became so enamored with the Joker and sort of fell in love with the Joker. Uh, the reason why I like that, it speaks to how much, how manipulative and abusive the Joker is. Mm-hmm. That the Joker is able to... Um, uh, to make her fall in love with him. And we see in Batman the Animated Series how abusive his relationship is with her and how he she does love him, but she also gets that um, he's not really a good guy, but she's still with him. So I think there is this theme of uh, that plays out that speaks to domestic violence and speaks to some of these real-world issues that happen. And that's why I think the rogues gallery is so interesting for Batman is they are speaking to psychological realities and complexity and multiple motivations. So, um, Harley Quinn, you are my number three. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is the Joker. So, Oh, wait, my number... Wait, is that my number... 
didn't because my number five was penguin. My five number penguin. four was. Your Cat number four woman. was and Cat my woman. number three was Two Face. Okay, okay, so, so we're on, on my number two. two and my my number mistake. Two is... I just got so distracted Sorry. by my love of Harley Quinn. Yes, well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? But number two, <laughs> number two is, is Joker. Joker. So I totally left the Joker off because he's too obvious. Well, I don't. Yes and no. But before I give my spiel, I want to hear yours. Why is Joker on your list? Um, Joker's on there in similar ways. Um, this is what this. This is what I associate Batman um, from when I was a kid, um, just as being like a constant um, in terms of a nemesis of Batman. So I'm not necessarily, although I do think the Heath Ledger version of the Joker was terrifying um, and really an interesting choice um, in terms of how to interpret that character. I, I primarily chose him because we see that because everybody tries to reinvent him as well. Um, I think I know where you're what you're going to say about mm-hmm. him, but I will wait for you to say it. Um, <laughs> I, and it's more my nostalgic associations with him is is the reason mm. that I picked it. Um, and I and I like remember the first time like I, there was when um, I was a kid there was and it was. You know, they would have the reruns of the Adam West Batman mm-hmm. on television. Um, no, I was not around when they were originally aired. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was, I remember there was like this kid in my school who dressed as a Joker. Yeah. And I was so excited that he had decided to dress as a Joker. Like, what an awesome idea for a costume. And so, I mean, that's why I'm choosing him. But so the, the thing that's interesting about the Joker is no matter what iteration we're talking about, Adam West or uh, Tim Burton. Um, Batman the Animated Series and Mark Hamill uh, playing the Joker there. Um, And then uh, leading up to Heath Ledger playing the Joker in The Dark Knight. They're all terrifying. They're all terrifying. Even the Adam West Joker is pretty creepy. Well, because he kind of looks like a clown, and clowns are freaking scary. Oh my gosh, clowns are so scary. Um, I've treated so many clown phobias. Well, I can totally understand that phobia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... um, uh, here's why I, d- I didn't pick Joker. I think the Joker is a is the counterpoint to uh, Batman. Well, right. Uh, I think the whole relationship is summed up nicely in The Dark Knight, where uh, an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. And uh, it plays out nicely in the graphic novel The Dark Knight Returns, um, with Batman facing off against Joker. Um, that is really interesting. Um, and how J- Batman will not kill him and the Joker will not stop um, attacking Batman. That's just so interesting. Uh, the reason why I didn't pick him is, honestly, I think in terms of some of the complexity of the villains, the Joker is one of the least complex. That's true. That's totally true. And um, But I just, you know, because he is that counterpoint and you see him as that counterpoint so much, I couldn't leave him off the list. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I'm glad you picked him. What was um, your number two? My no- well, my number two is the Scarecrow. That was my number one. What? Oh, my goodness. Whoopsies. I got so excited at Dr. Robox. Oops. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Scarecrow. Okay. Yep. He's your number one. I'm going to let you start. Um, he's my number one and... It's interesting how much we're talking about fear in this particular episode and related to the doctor and, and whatever. But I think in terms of villains, when when Batman goes against Scarecrow, he he is just really um, 
he's formidable against Batman. He he really um, the the hallucinations when when Batman is is basically reliving all the horrible things that have ever happened to him. Um, he's you know he just turns all of the the darkness against Batman basically. Um, and then when I saw him in the Dark Knight, I was just like, I don't even want to see what this is going to be because I knew <laughs> it was you know obviously. Um, you, you know that it's the scarecrow being made, basically, and so I picked him because he's the villain that I was the most afraid of, and maybe mm. that makes sense given that his biggest weapon is fear, yeah, and and causing people to to lose control um, by pitting their own memories against them. Um, he's super creepy. He's so terrifying to me. Um, I just uh, you know I in in terms of the the. The villains within comic books that I just freak out by, uh, he is it. Maybe it's just I have a thing I don't like scarecrows, um, but there were you, you have scared it. of the scarecrow in Wizard of Oz? I wasn't scared of him, but there was a character. It's not really it, freaky. There was a there was a not scarecrow, but sort of like a pumpkin head like character in uh, Ghostbusters, the cartoon called Sam Hain that oh, I really didn't yeah, like. Yeah, that yeah. I mentioned. Well, and there's Sleepy Hollow too. Sleepy Hollow. So maybe it's a connection with that, but. Um, He's super, uh, he's just totally terrifying to me. Yeah, I, so I'm a psychologist, and I'm not just picking Dr. Jonathan Crane because he was a psychologist as well. Not a very uh, good psychologist. <laughs> no, he's not very good. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my specialty is, is treating fear and treating anxiety. That's what I do day in and day out. So I think the idea of someone exploiting this and using that to inflict um, pain. pain on others as a weapon is really scary yeah um and interesting and he's also got an interesting backstory again different backstories but his story is about one about a kid who was teased and bullied Mm -hmm. and was so afraid of those situations that he uses it on other people exactly but i you know so that's i mean again he is my number one for a lot of reasons and it's it's you can see somebody that has been twisted into this character because of the experience of their life and yeah. not, you know, and this is the place that he goes to cope with it. Uh, yeah. And it's really some of the, some of the storylines that happened between him and Batman, I think are some of the most interesting. So, Absolutely. and to me, those are much more interesting than when he goes against a character like Bane yeah. and they are, beating the hell out of each other. Well, and I, um, I think it's also an interesting dichotomy between these characters where Batman does face his fears and learns how to um, experience them, and that's part of the reason why he dons a, a bat suit. Um, Jonathan Crane, uh, Scarecrow, he might not be a character who ever did fully come to terms with his own fears. Uh, and I got to wonder... If we if we met Mr. Crane or now Dr. Crane, I would never like to meet Mr. Crane. Sorry, <laughs> keep going. Well, if we if Hypothet- as a kid, hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, if this kid got some help when he was being teased and bullied, could he have become someone else? I think the answer to that is yes, and I th- so I think that's another way in which these characters are very complex, interesting. We can understand where we can where they're coming from. I'm not excusing his behavior, but I am saying we can understand 
how he came became the person he became. Well, and I think that that's honestly the, the truth about almost all the the Batman villains. Totally, totally. And, and if maybe if he didn't grow up in Gotham City, maybe if he grew up in Metropolis, it would have been maybe, different. Maybe you think about the whole role of community violence here and the and all of that. Maybe, kind maybe of stuff. if John Snyder could have been a good role model to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd be out driving. Totally. Yeah, totally. So the, that gets to the whole parenting element. So totally interesting. I love this character. Freaked me out too, especially in Batman the Animated oh, Series. Oh gosh, he was Total so creepy. creepy. So creepy. And by the way, Conrad, I, I have a secret desire to cosplay as Scarecrow. No, at some well point. then it better not be I at Comic Con because I will not go with I you. I think that was so interesting. An anxiety disorder therapist cosplaying a scarecrow. Disturbing um, is what you mean. Perhaps. Anyway, but your number one. My then. number one pick. Um, it's got to be Mister Freeze. Really? It has to be Mr. Freeze. Uh, okay. Yeah, here's why. Um, so originally he was called Mr. Zero in the comics, and he had a he had a total relaunch and revamp and new backstory when he was reintroduced in Batman the Animated Series. And um, if anyone is interested in this character or in the psychology of these characters, you got to check out uh, Friends of the Show, as previously mentioned, Andrea Ledamenti and her co-host Brian Ward, their episode on... uh, What they do is they do a psychological analysis of every episode of Batman the Animated Series. They do a fantastic deep dive into the introduction of Mr. Freeze. And Mr. Freeze is a character who is struggling with a lot of complicated grief over the loss of his wife and cryogenically freezing his wife in the hopes that he might be able to save her in some way one day. That's the origin of this character. It is grief. It is loss. And through the different iterations of Mr. Freeze, we see a character who is sometimes much more of a villain and sometimes a little bit more, um, more less so of a villain. I'm never, not going to say he's a hero, but he is a character that shows interesting motivation um, and a character who I also got to wonder if he did get some, if he did get put on a different path after he lost his wife, would he have become the supervillain i don't think so i don't know i i i think he has some interesting aspects but in terms of number one really yeah i mean he look he was a he was a brilliant scientist he had a lot going on for him and then he lost the person he loves the most and he just Mm -hmm. wasn't able to overcome that i guess i guess i can see that stuck in this period of grief which is what we see with a lot of people who suddenly lose someone in an unexpected way. But in his in his interactions with Batman, like him as a storyline, you think that he's the most compelling villain? Probably not in his interactions with Batman, but him alone. And I okay. am totally deleting the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze from well, ever I, existing. I wasn't even going to no, I'd appreciate that. mention that part. <laughs> All right, everyone. Chill. That movie was so bad. Yeah, it was and terrible. It was and, I, and honestly, I kind of, when whenever like we are talking, just so you know, whenever we are talking about Batman, I, that's not it doesn't exist in any yeah. level of existence yeah. that I will. Acknowledge. But you know, I will say that um, the character of Barbara Gordon, or who becomes Barbara Gordon, reminded me a lot of the Nicole Kidman character in Batman Forever. Um, mm, yeah, I guess it's not I necessarily a compliment, but no. it, 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 it did remind me of her. But yeah, that's my number one pick, Mr. Freeze. Um, but I would love to hear what other people have to say. Um, and I also wanted to, um, before we, we start talking about where to find each other sorry, this that week. that was me drinking my boba. And when Ollie the finished- official beverage of <laughs> Superfit at Sick Nerd Hour. Or Ollie's official beverage of <laughs> my, Superfit. We're looking for sponsors. Anyone wants to sponsor a show and give me free boba. <laughs> Molly's. 
Um, but um, I wanted to mention the the gift we got this week. Oh my goodness, we got an amazing gift this yes, week. Yes, we did. Um, so I mentioned the fact that I had always wanted a Snoopy snow cone maker as a kid, <laughs> and friend of the show Justin Weathersby surprised us by sending this to us. So yes. thank you, Justin. This is awesome. Um, I'm going to force. Uh, Bill Wadman to make me Snoopy snow cones <laughs> yes. for the foreseeable future. <laughs> the next time we have him on the show, we're going to have to all have some uh, snow cones together. Yeah, definitely. I, think definitely. Awesome. I call Cherry. I yes. want a Cherry Well, one, cherry's, cherry's good. Or, in you know, with in mis- keeping with Mr. Freeze, maybe a blueberry flavored. Wow, I just realized why I brought this up. It's because of Mr. Freeze. That's awesome. It's all coming back together. It's all coming back together. Um, but so, anyway. Conrad, any honorable mentions? Um, oh, honorable mentions. Um... I had Harley Quinn on there. Yep. Um, I had. Um, I'm like now blanking. Sorry. Um, I had a few. On you there. had a few people. I had the Joker. Um, I had Bane, obviously, on here. Uh, yeah, I had um, Poison Ivy a little bit, um, mostly because I enjoy it when she and Harley Quinn go and get. Oh, rowdy they do kind of team up. They a get rowdy bit. together, and I think yeah. that that's kind of fun. Um, yeah, get him, Joker. Yeah, no. So there. Oh, that was a horrible impression. Too. That was. Oh, and I had Riddler. That's my one of my Riddler, honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. I had um, Hugo Strange on mine. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, I think he's an interesting villain. Um, he also kind of deduces. Um, who Batman is, and he's a great villain in Batman Arkham City as well. Um, yeah, so those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, you could have a list, again, a mile long, of, of villains that are pretty cool. Um, I think that the Batman villains are generally pretty complex. Um, They're and, the best villains, and right. if you compare this against the Marvel Studios films, it's no wonder, no surprise that they're having a hard time creating interesting villains. They can't compare to these. They can't compare so. to the to the Batman villains. Um, so that is it. But um, you know, um, where can people find you this week, Ollie? This week, uh, people can find me on the internet. I am trolling around the place as at Olima Two on Twitter. I am also on. Um, I am the science fiction psychologist on BrainKnowsBetter.com where I wrote an article about Doctor Who and how he helps us overcome fear. Um, so check that out. Which is the theme of the week, apparently. Which is the theme of the week, yeah, yeah. Conrad, well, how about you? Where are you found these um, days? You can find me. I'm Di Prince on Twitter and on the Reanimated Podcast, which is with my friend Stuart Tiffin. It's Reanimated Podcast at uh ReanimatePodcast.com. And ReanimatePCast. And PCast on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know what oh, I was just saying. God Again, right. we are recording very late, so we I am are. very tired. Um, Next but, week. But, um, yeah, I was actually going to say we're going to be talking about... Pulp Fiction. Yes, which so, is the 20th anniversary, so that should be... Can you believe it? 20 years. I know, I know. That'll yeah. be a good episode. So, so please join us next time. But in the meantime, I would love to hear what people have to say about Gotham. Um, also, what your favorite villains are. Um, and so shoot us an email. Shoot us an email at info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. You can also visit us uh, at superfantasticnerdhour.com or visit us on Twitter at NerdHour. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. So until next time. Live long and prosper. Indeed.